Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a special edition of Steel Wars. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trailer Council. I am Bobby Roberts, your moderator, and joining me in this valiant attempt to make some sort of sense of whatever it was we all just watched <laughs> is an amazing panel of commentators slash hosts slash podcasters slash writers slash some of the best Star Wars fans you know. And I will allow them to introduce themselves, starting with... Hey, I'm Amanda Ward. I'm owner at MakingStars.net, and I podcast at Rebel Girl. Hey, it's Shana O'Neill, or Geek Girl Diva, as you probably know me. And, uh, yeah, Star Wars fan. I don't have much more than that right now. <laughs> hey, it's Chris Taylor here, author of How Star Wars Conquered the Universe, Senior Editor of Mashable. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get talking. I'm Anthony Bresnikan. I write about Star Wars for Entertainment Weekly. Hi, I'm Steel Saunders from the Steel Wars Podcast. Hi, I'm Kyle Newman, filmmaker and fanatic. Hi, I'm Holly Fry. I uh, am one of the hosts of Full of Sith, as well as some other podcasts. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, Something inside me has always been there, but now it's awake, and I need help.
need someone to show me my place in all this. Okay, now uh, the first question I think that we have to address uh, due to this trailer being the phrase that I keep landing on is magic trick. It's a perfectly executed little magic trick. So I guess what I want to ask the panel first off is how much of this thing is misdirection? It seems to be pointing us in pretty key directions so far as the story goes, but it's on its like second or third view that it starts to seem like maybe the things you thought you saw you you didn't really see um this is maybe yet another trailer where mark hamill is speaking directly to the audience and him saying this is not going to go the way that you think is referencing the movie itself how much do you Hmm. think you know about this movie and is it more or is it less than it was after you'd seen the teaser i'm gonna go ahead and throw that to uh, Shayna first and then let the rest of the panel kick that around I really think it's like 90% misdirection Um, because I mean, especially from the trailers we've seen previously, they really like putting things out there and connecting you through stuff. And then you watch it and it's something you find out those scenes are from completely different places. So I spent a lot of the time just actually looking at locations and things that are going on. And plus I think that they want to get us interested, but I can't. Im- I also can't imagine anybody at Lucasfilm actually giving away anything. Yeah, uh, Amanda, your your thoughts on uh, whether or not this this trailer is actually pointing a, a true direction towards the general story of uh, the Last Jedi. I think everyone's right. It's kind of not showing us what we think we're seeing, and, and it's interesting to note that we really don't see the middle act at all in this trailer. It's all the beginning and the end. So I think that right there in itself is a misdirection um, to make us see connections between those things that might not actually exist. Kyle? You know, first time I saw it and I saw the emails before, I was thinking misdirection. And as much misdirection as I think is present in it, I think some of it is at face value. And just on a pure emotional narrative level, this has to get dark and characters have to mess up and characters have to fail. Uh, there can be equilibrium with the direction they need to go into the third act, which will be, you know, episode nine. So I think a lot of it is going to be there. There has to be conflict between uh, Ray and Luke. And I think there has to be some jockeying um, over emotionally where Kylo sits on things. And yes, it looks like he's going to take out his mother. And I, I think a lot of stuff actually is going to happen the way it's supposed to play out and the way we're imagining it to play out. Good trailers ask great questions of the audience and last time we saw Ray she was basically figured it out and she'd got one up on everybody and she you know reached her goal at the end and here the goal Luke is at odds with her the legacy of what she expected and at the end of the trailer that punctuation I think that's that's what's going to bring people into the audience. Steel I know you are a particularly large fan of Luke Skywalker um how do you feel about the way he's being presented in this trailer? Do you think there's an element of misdirection to that? Or does it seem like Luke is really as shook as he seems to be in this spot? Well, first of all, I don't think my weight needs to come into how much of a fan of Luke Skywalker I am. But whatever. She cracked the ground and he looked around 
Like, you know, I, I know who was it that said that Mark Hamill should be up for an Oscar? I was ready to hand it to him then. I'm like, he saw that there, there was ground cracking there um, at Skellig Michael and, and he's very worried about it. I don't think much of what Luke was saying was misdirection. Like, like towards the end, whether it was with, with Kylo and Ray, like where that was in time when Kylo was reaching out his hand, like whether that was when the Jedi temple or the Jedi, whatever that, whatever that thing was that he burnt down. Right. That was a gazebo, uh, a gazebo. All right. <laughs> the Jedi, Jedi gazebo. gazebo. All right. It was ancient though. It was ancient. Oh, I just got reminded that those nuns weren't in the trailer. That's a shame. <laughs> Middle-aged mutant religious turtles. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I know that Anthony just got done doing a, a very severe breakdown for Entertainment Weekly. Um, what are your thoughts on the sort of uh, the, the magic trickery? Because I mean, Ryan Johnson yeah. is a guy who has made films about conning people, fooling people, getting over on people, hiding the left hand uh, behind the back, and making sure the right hand is doing something extravagant so you never stop to think about what's going on behind his back um what did you think about this trailer the way it was cut together and what you think is actually being shown versus what fans might be wanting to see yeah severe breakdowns are my speciality um i i thought i think there's a fair amount of misdirection here my theory is everyone in this trailer is talking to ray that that's who their remarks are being addressed to everything from snoke saying when i discovered you I saw great power. Uh, everything Luke says, obviously. What Kylo Ren is saying, let the past die, kill it if you have to. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be. I think this is all advice for Ray. Somebody on Twitter said it's uh, space-splaining. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think a lot of it is like, we're supposed to wonder whether Princess Leia, General Leia, is going to be destroyed by her son. I think that happens somewhat early in the movie, so I don't think he's actually going to do that at that point. And that was one know. of the questions that I wanted to ask uh, Holly, uh, especially yeah. regarding uh, Leia. The marketing campaign, such as it's been, it hasn't really gotten into full swing yet, but the marketing campaign, such as it's been, has not been afraid to show Carrie Fisher, to show Leia, and to show her in a way that stomps down on your heartstrings uh, as, as hard as possible. Um, and they did that again in this trailer, even with, you know, going so far as to have uh, Adam Driver sort of his lower chin is quivering and he's biting his lip uh, as he's thinking of his mother. Do you feel like this trailer is sort of hinting at or outright telling you um, we're going to give Leia the goodbye and Carrie Fisher the goodbye that she deserves? It's certainly hinting at it. I don't know if that's telling the truth or not. You know, that shot, that beautiful close-up of her and her eyes are very wide and then they just sort of very casually blink is such a like shockingly simple cruelty because there's such an innocence at the same time you can kind of see her taking in some piece of knowledge or thought i kind of hope they find a way to to wrap it and if that's a sad end for her i'm okay with that you know the sort of brilliant thing about this film as everyone's been talking about misdirection is that there is just enough sort of directness that it makes you question all of the misdirection, mm -hmm. which is again, Ryan Johnson's specialty. Like we do get that very clear shot of Luke looking super freaked out about Ray's abilities. And then you go, Oh yes, he's terrified of her. And then everything else kind of builds in your brain around that. I'm reluctant to make any uh, predictions based on it at this point. Uh, Chris, your thoughts. 
I mean, we've been talking about structure and acts and, and The Last Jedi being the second act. You know, first act, you introduce your characters. and uh, Second act, you stick them up, up a tree and set fire to them, right? I, I feel like there are also there should also be an act structure for trailers. You know, teaser trailer is act one. It introduces the, the basic characters and the themes of The Last Jedi. This is act two. This, If you do not feel the flames from the tree during this trailer... There's, there's something seriously wrong with the movie. I think the trailer passed that test. You have to feel like Rey is in danger. Rey is the Luke Skywalker of this trilogy. Uh, she is clearly going to be tested in much the same way. The fact that it ended on Kylo reaching out his hand and beckoning to her when she appears to be in a very confused place, uh, that, that was the most wonderful mic drop I think I've seen in any Star Wars trailer ever. What are the chances that that's not really happening? You I know? don't think it's, it's definitely not. <laughs> we see her plunge into that pool, and I'm wondering if it's some sort of vision quest. Amanda, why do you think it's definitely not happening? The, the idea of Kylo and uh, Ray teaming up is 100% off the table. Why do you feel that way? It just aesthetically doesn't seem like it fits the correct time to me. She has her Resistance Ray costume on, so what she was wearing at the end of The Force Awakens. She also has her hair back in that style with the three buns. And then Kylo doesn't have that piece of whatever it is, metal or whatever, on his it's face. The correct time is Space Band-Aid, you guys. <gasps> okay. Thank, thank you, thank sorry. You is that a Band-Aid? Band yeah, because Space I Aid think. would be like a disaster relief concert. <laughs> yes. Um, so... What I think is going on is it's almost a fulfillment of the what Lucas experienced on Octo and the conjectures that were put out there in the first trailer, which is this meshing of light and dark. And I think maybe maybe some greater thing in 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 what Lucas seen is that he needs to step back and let her go on her path because he went on his path and he rejected his elders and their guidance didn't help. And he has to let her coalesce into something new and let it play out the way it needs to play out as opposed to manipulating it something that scene happens i just saw it and they're in the same space and there's no editorial manipulation it's not like i'm juxtaposing snoke's dialogue with kylo at the beginning and maybe it's appropriated to ray in the film that's a scene between them and if it is a flashback then i'm gonna have some problems with the movie it just feels very literal for a flashback or a force back uh, I take that scene at face value, and I think it's important that they go there. I think it's important that your your main character is is kicked off course and finds himself on a very different trajectory at the end of this film, or at some point in this film, than they did when they set out at the end of the last movie to go meet their mentor and be trained. So I'm excited by the prospect of it. I hope it's not a, a sight gag. I, I think they need to challenge things, and moving into the gray, that's what I felt like when he put his hand out. And I think you're touching on a thing that I, I wanted to bring up uh, and, and you just sort of naturally segued into it. Now, keeping in mind that the trailer does seem to be a bit of a magic trick, like we've been saying, there's been a narrative in the intervening two years, kind of a simplistic and frankly, really annoying narrative. It's sprung up among mostly, you know, the cynical aspects of the fan base, the the people who get most of their film criticism from uh, from sloppy YouTubers, um, and they, they they tend to suggest that the dude, force... I love sloppy YouTuber, he's great. <laughs> sloppy YouTuber, the sloppier the better. Uh, and and oh, anyway, and th their suggestion is essentially that uh, the Force Awakens is nothing more than a Star Wars ripoff, and therefore it only makes sense the Last Jedi is going to be an Empire Strikes Back ripoff. Now the thing. I want to ask you guys is 
is there anything in this trailer? Because it's it's honestly worth at least addressing, even if only to dismiss it out of hand. But is there anything in this trailer that you could see actually lending credence to the idea that this is going to be a bit more like the uh, the Empire Strikes Back? I'm going to throw that one to Anthony first. There's a lot in it that reminds me of the Empire Strikes Back. Rose and Finn go off to Canto Bight, which is this glamorous casino city, uh, much like Cloud City was in The Empire Strikes Back. You've got Rey, this Force-sensitive newcomer to Jedi mysticism, going to train with an old master at a faraway place. You've got an old tree, just like Yoda used to live in. Like it's, uh, With giant mm, walkers invading mm-hmm. a base on a snowy, looking, white-looking planet. It's just yeah. even some of the visuals. Yeah. It, it is, to, to your point, Kyle, about you know going a little bit deeper on the same tropes. I, I felt that a lot. Um, I feel like we're, we're, we're going to see the Journal of the Wills or whatever those books are on the shelf. It has to be the Journal of the Wills. I, and I feel that that is what has got my inner fanboy the most excited about this trailer. Yep. It's the possibility of seeing these books that have been a thing in Star Wars lore for so many years that they started to hint at through Rogue One, very cleverly leading us to this moment. If the equivalent of Yoda in this film is just Luke saying, hey, I found these cool books... Here's what they say. Here's what they tell us about the Jedi. I, I feel like it does a lot of that. I feel like the the Atats, you know, the fact they look more like gorillas, the fact that they just drop in a whole new animal with the the silver fox, you know, just to say, hey, look what we can do. There's a freshness to this trailer. Shayna, I wanted to ask you this: if this does end up being a little bit more like uh, Empire Strikes Back, even if only superficially, is that necessarily a bad thing that Ryan Johnson I... tried that? I don't think that Force Awakens was a rehash. Mm -hmm. I looked at it as, I mean, personally, I looked at it as like an homage to the movie. That it was taking moments from the original and turning them around so that there were the same beats, but there weren't the same exact things. And so I think in the sense that this is going to have a couple of the same themes and in that sense that like, Empire was was the one where all the real like emotions started to come out. And I think one of the big through lines for me that really struck me is Luke is having to face his fear again, and he still isn't dealing with fear. He's freaked. And the fact that he could be that freaked out after all this time on this island and doing this meditating, the lesson has always been that fear and anger, you know, those lead to the dark side. But they also just pull a Jedi off their game. So I think that there's going to be some part of that where he's going to have to really look at that. You can't go running from your emotions like just like you did before. He still he referring has something to when he says, I've seen something stronger. I, I thought for sure he was talking about Kylo. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he said, he said, I've not seen this power or uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Raw strength I, is what he said. Yeah. Raw yeah. strength. But that feels and cheap then, to me. I mean, that's all stuff that. We haven't experienced as an audience that should be. Uh, but, but I think we are going to see it because when you see the T eight hundred hand come out of the rubble, mm-hmm. that seems like it's going to be a flashback to when Kylo attacked the uh, Jedi gazebo. And everything's, in, sort of... everything's in flashback. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? The gazebo is such a big moment that should have been in the first movie, and so not in a flashback. But Holly. what he said, Kyle, was it didn't scare me enough then, it does now. Mm-hmm. And I would like all the listeners to start hitting up Hasbro for the Jedi <laughs> Gazebo playset. <laughs> <laughs> 
So they just have no idea what so, we're talking yeah. about. But do you think six guys in hockey sticks and Kylo Ren is scarier than the you're being on the Death Star with Emperor Palpatine and Vader and throwing down your saber? Do you think those six guys showing up? I don't I know, don't, man. All sports scare I me. Know. So. <laughs> I know. I had, to, I had to watch NFL for six minutes tonight. I was like, what is going on? I got torn apart on Twitter for asking how many quarters there were in a game. And, <laughs> and I know what a quarter is, but I just meant periods. I, I, I'm... <laughs> I honestly think that, that uh, all the Snoke stuff, I think, is about Ray. Mm-hmm. Oh, without I question. I think. All the stuff that Snoke said. And I think that the not being afraid part, whatever happened at the Jedi gazebo, I still think Ray was there in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that is in the Force Awakens novelization, Snoke says perhaps Kylo Ren was right about the girl. It wasn't even his epiphany of discovery. So, But this he's authoring it to make it sound like it's his discovery it doesn't feel like he discovered her. He senses an awakening and he says there's been an awakening and that was part of how they've marketed this movie. And there's no doubt this movie and this trilogy is clearly Rays and characters like Poe, as great as they are, are kind of dispensable. I don't feel like he found her in that Sounds sense. Sounds like typical boss behavior to me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, have a, I have a cockamamie thought. Yes, Holly. So I had this cockamamie thought while I was talking this over with my uh, beloved that Luke may actually have been talking about Ray when she was little, yeah. when he mm-hmm. says that he has seen that raw strength only once before. Yep. And I was like, holy crap, what if she got dumped on Jakku not to protect her from someone, but to save the rest of us from her? Exactly. Like, if this is just because, sort of a uh, she, style child that does she not can even blow up gazebos with the force. Yes. This is <laughs> and her special power. In that, uh, that flashback that she has in Maz Kanato's castle, when we see uh, Kylo in the Knights of Ren, he runs someone through with a lightsaber, but that person was about to attack her. And so there is that curiosity in my mind of like, did Kylo Ren always know there was this little girl that was part of the whole shibbing bang that was potentially more powerful than him? He must have. He's He yeah. clearly yeah. has an awareness about a girl there's a prophecy about a girl. There's something about a girl. He's actually more in tune with it than Snoke ever is in movies or books. Bringing up that moment with Kylo in the Force back in The Force Awakens, the thing that stands out to me about that particular moment is how hard it was raining. And I don't think in what we've seen of the rest of The Force back and what we've seen a little bit of it in these two newest trailers for The Last Jedi, I don't think there's any rain. Me now, I'm thinking like that's another misdirection. Maybe we're made to think that Kylo was the bad guy the whole time, and that maybe you're onto something. Maybe that was totally unrelated. Maybe it was something about Ray. And if she has lived on Jakku this whole time, thinking she was this poor, forlorn, like sort of left behind person, and ultimately a good guy, and then finds out, oh no, you are you were the evilest, most frightening child I've ever met. That reconciliation could be a really interesting journey for her. Like she's baby Firestarter. It's cool, and I I do think there needs to be, and people have argued with me, but I do think there needs to be something explained about where she came from. And I like the theory that's been thrown out there 
that she is some type of byproduct of the force. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put people on the spot right now. Um, you guys are going to have to make your calls. The calls are getting jotted down, recorded for history. <laughs> Win, lose, or draw. This uh -oh. is your call. Oh, my God. People are betting on us, too. Yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with being wrong on the Internet. And it's a, it's a lesson that a lot of people <laughs> need to learn. And you guys are going to help teach that lesson to all of our listeners. And since... Uh, this topic was broached we we have to dive into it i'm gonna go straight down the line with all of you and you're gonna tell me what you think ray's parentage is uh starting with shana i think she's a kenobi amanda i think she's no one slash the force all right anthony uh i've been leaning kenobi for a long time so uh i'll stay with that but i also think there's a danger maybe that uh too many people already believe that so that maybe they'll change it up I, I, well, the, the theory I like the best is that she's a clone of the Emperor. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, Kyle? Thoroughly against Kenobi. If it's resolved in this film, she's part of the Force. If JJ's resolving it, she's a nobody. Okay, Holly? I still kind of want her to be a solo, just to be a wild card. No. Just for some messed up stuff. I would stuff love that. Out. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Steel? I think the Kenobi one's too convoluted to explain in a film. Because yes. she's got a grandparent. I think... She was once a solo, and that changed, and now I think she's a nobody. That's a bet hedge. <laughs> I think JJ, JJ edited that out in post. It's the traces are all over. Yes. Force Awakens is dripping with the vestiges of a re-edit. Every time she's in a scene with Harrison, there's like this, this irony and this thing she knows, and he feels yeah. guilty around her. It's just, even yeah. heard that the gun that he gave her was his pistol. It wasn't that one that she got. It was even his gun at some point. I wouldn't be surprised if the person they say Yoda was talking about, this is how revisionist they're going to be, back when he says there's another, is Ray. Oh, God. Ooh, right, God. Uh, yep. Chris, Chris, oh. your guess. Well, since no one's covered it, I'm going to go for no nobody, but somebody who will be introduced maybe in the Han Solo movie. Oh, okay. the, the Kira theory. All right. Or, or mm -hmm. another anthology. Oh. TBD. All right. Oh, yeah, she's a Kenobi, though. Anyway. Um, <laughs> how are you going to explain that narratively in, in a film without like talking about his who he hooked up with when and then they had kids after that I'll, I'll say there's going to be a really sexy montage and what's, so special about the Kenobi, what's so special about the Kenobi bloodline that's going to make her dominate the son of a Skywalker I mean it's it's, maybe she's a Kenobi Skywalker if it's Kenobi I'm Ooh, just like, I like that I theory. make it anything you know what I mean it's yeah. nobody's better than Kenobi well well I, I, I just wanted to get the, the the answers out and down and now we yeah. are all set we can't deviate from this any further she's okay. a Zubio there ah. oh. Oh. well that would be amazing well, what I also liked about this is that we're obviously focusing on Rey, and there's no question as to whose trilogy it is. Um, before The Force Awakens came out, it was still sort of up in the air as to whether the film and the trilogy would be Finn's or if it would be Rey's. Now, that question stayed up in the air about halfway through The Force Awakens, and then it became kind of obvious that Finn, while still a main character, was not going to be the center of the trilogy. Now, looking at what we saw of him in this trailer, or rather what we didn't. He didn't get a lot of shine in this trailer. Do you think The Last Jedi is going to be a movie that centers itself around him a little more than the last one did? I want to throw that one to Holly first. I feel like all of these characters are going to be going through like sort of their watershed growth phase, right? Which is natural. 
how much it centers on him, I don't know because there's so much for Ray to do. And we unfortunately did not see a lot of Finn and the whole story with him and Rose and any of the Canto Bite stuff, which is probably what I'm most excited about. But I think, yeah, we're going to have to watch him figure out who he is in all of this mess as well, which has the potential to be super interesting. If everybody doesn't know who the hell they are, it gets to be a really um, fascinating sort of murky mess to watch everyone rise out of. I think Finn's arc is going to be important. Obviously, he's the guy through whom we meet Rose. I I think they got short shrift in this trailer. The next trailer will no doubt focus much more on the Finn-Rose arc. He's clearly got his his own story going on, his own redemption. I think the fact that he's fighting with Phasma is is absolutely what that's about. Um, he's you know becoming himself, coming more into himself, and absolutely fits with the the theme of the whole thing. So, uh, speaking of villains that got uh, a little bit of short shrift in the Force Awakens, uh, Phasma obviously is going to have a lot more to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much more of a threat does Snoke actually seem? Because he seems sort of like a Wizard of Oz ish type character uh, in the Force awakens and it seems like he has some legitimate power uh in this film is there anything specifically about snoke that you are looking forward to or that this trailer uh is sort of presenting to you that has you a little bit intrigued i'm gonna throw that one to uh anthony yeah i i love the uh close-up of him with his hand outstretched and you see his beady eyes and uh and then cut to ray just in agony being paralyzed by his use of the force that showed him to be pretty damn formidable. You know? and, those, and those orange eyebrows, we, we should mention those. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. yeah look, look very familiar. <laughs> are, are, you, are you feeling a little bit better about the idea of Snoke being the big bad in this movie? Or are you still hoping that he's just another obstacle in the way for uh, Kylo's uh, descent into pure madness? Uh, Amanda? I, I'm comfortable with him being the big bad in this movie. But I think we got very carefully crafted shots for this trailer and we didn't actually see him do anything. Uh, so I'm still waiting for the big reveal of what Snoke's abilities are. You know, Star Wars is all about shuffling the deck in every movie of the same the same ideas and themes emerge over and over and they're explored a little more deeply every time. It's interesting that The Empire Strikes Back, we saw The Emperor for five seconds. This is shuffling the deck so that we effectively see the new trilogy equivalent of The Emperor in the second movie to a substantial degree. I did not expect him to meet Rey. And that brings up another thing that I noticed uh, from the trailer that made me sort of rethink you know, Luke's words once again, yet again, another misdirect, another magic trick. Um, it really does seem like Ray seeks out Snoke. Uh, and I'm wondering, do you guys think that maybe some of Luke's fear uh, and some of Luke's uh, hesitancy, reticence towards Ray has to do with watching her make essentially the same mistake he made back on Dagobah? Do you think that he's basically trying to talk her out of going after Snoke? My take on luke skywalker is let's just get rid of this whole force thing because it only damages the galaxy if, if no one 
was using the force in the galaxy, it'd be a much more pleasant place. And I, I think maybe his fear is sort of denying the fact that that's impossible and he has a calling to help Ray in her calling. And that's his struggle to come to terms with that, which, you know, it seems like in, in the two trailers obviously does. Like he, he's standing there while she's uh, waving that sweet little kyber crystal laser pointer around. <laughs> uh, Kyle, you, were, you wanted to jump in. Yeah, this has to go somewhere different. And things I love is you watch the original trilogy and Obi-Wan has to lie to Luke to get him to do what he needs him to do. The Jedi are ultimately lying and probing in a way they shield uh, Luke from truth. And the Sith in the prequel trilogy, they they lie, they tell the truth all the time. Uh, look, Obi-Wan's in force shackles and, and Dooku's telling him the truth. He's laying out everything, but he can't believe it. And that, I need to see that happen in this. Now we've seen both sides of it, and now we're going into gray. And what is the version of that in this film? Like, I want to see what's represented philosophically, also done narratively, but also reflexive and reflective of the way things were handled by the great GL and the other six. And I want to feel, still want to feel GL in this. If she's going to go do something she's not supposed to do, i.e. maybe contact Snoke or go out in that direction, or is pulled somewhere in both those films, those middle trilogy films, middle films of each trilogy, the characters are kind of manipulated to go to a place. So I feel like, what is that version of it going to be in here? I will feel let down if it's if it's not that clever. Speaking of uh, George Lucas and uh, his predilections as a storyteller, uh, redemption is always a very big theme of his. It's become basically like one of the big touchstones of Star Wars. When you think Star Wars, you think uh, redemption. You think uh, you know making good on on your potential. Um, and I think that's a little bit overstated with Darth Vader, but people have just sort of come to accept the idea that Darth Vader actually found redemption instead of just you know pulling uh, you know a good deed out of his ass before he threw. His boss down a hole and died. Um, wow. So, but that's the biggest. Excuse me. The biggest thing. <laughs> look, no, the most. Darth Vader fulfilled the prophecy to a T. The ironic twist is he had yes. to destroy everything that was in one person's perspective inconceivably destroyed. Mm. He had to destroy that to balance it all. And Luke should have seen that sacrifice at the end of Return of the Jedi, the ultimate sacrifice of his father, which was the balancing of the Force. He throws away his saber and he commits to love, something completely alien to both Jedi and Sith. Mm -hmm. And they become their own special thing. Like, I, I, that's a huge moment. I can't just say that there's no redeeming thing in that. Darth Vader goes to the one place he was trained by two different people not to go to, which is to familial true love. But where I was going with that is is that uh, redemption as a theme uh, tends to be one of the more controversial aspects of this trilogy because the one person you seem to have to have redeemed if you're going to follow along those lines uh, is Kylo Ren. And there seems to be hints at that in this trailer. And I basically want to ask uh, the members of the panel, uh, is there a way for Kylo Ren to achieve any sort of redemption in this saga and have it work for you? And I'm going to go to... Uh, Anthony on that one. I, I do feel like maybe Darth Vader got off a little easy, you know? <laughs> I'm more interested in Finn's redemption and what Finn had to do as a child soldier conscripted into the uh, the First Order. I think that's going to be kind of an interesting story that will play out not just in this film, but in Episode Nine. Like, there's a character who really means well and was sort of pushed against his will into something that he didn't want to be a part of. Kylo Ren, I'm, I'm a little more like interested in seeing him pay for what he did aren't you guys <laughs> yeah uh, uh shana your thoughts 
a lot of this, and I'm, I'm going to go back to something else that God said and about the light and the dark. And the big word that's been used was used in the first trailer and has been used through the whole last season of Star Wars Rebels is balance. And when we talk about the Force, we talk about the light side, the dark side. To me, I do think that I think Kylo is going to get a redemption arc, but I also think I don't think he gets to live. I think there are consequences in doing what you do. And I think that I think Ray's going to find that balance in the middle. Um, and I think he probably will to some degree. But I think for him, because he's been indoctrinated and because he's already had all this anger and this hatred and he killed his dad, you know, like all this stuff. He, he didn't just kill his dad. He killed freaking Han Solo. Like, well, you know what I'm saying? saying he killed, he everybody's killed Han dad. Solo and he didn't just kill Han Solo. He killed Han Solo <laughs> deliberately. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he gets to live. Uh, Holly, your um, thoughts? Part of me thinks that some of his redemption, whether it actually gets to that denouement or not, is going to happen through his relationship with Ray. Like, I still like the idea of him helping her figure out whether or not she's going to be good or evil and maybe being the person that tips the scale one way or the other. I agree, though, it's going to be really hard to let him be fully redeemed and live. Like, it's that Han Solo thing is really hard to get past. Mm Mm-hmm. But do you also feel, Amanda, and I want to ask you this, that if if there's a, a mechanism in the story by which Kylo Ren is redeemed, is that threatened to sort of rob some of the power from Rey as a character? Does it stop being Rey's story um, overall if you end up making Kylo Ren partially the only reason that she wins? Yeah, I definitely think so. I don't think people are very much interested in a Kylo Ren redemption. I think a lot of people feel the way that Anthony does. We want to see him pay. Mm-hmm. I think if I see, if I want to see anybody redeemed in this trilogy, it's Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I would like to see him come back from his lowest point and find something in Ray that brings him up. Uh, Steel, your thoughts? I, I totally think Kyle's right about the whole the prophecy and that Darth Vader ended up fulfilling it perfectly, but just in um, it, it was the first bit of misdirection in a Star Wars film. I want to know: Does Luke Skywalker know about the prophecy? Like, how much does Luke Skywalker know about the prequels? Well, I think it's safe to say that he doesn't know too much about the entire Padawan thing because he didn't give Ray some real crappy haircut. Look, at the end of A New Hope, would we have wanted Darth Vader to have redemption? No. I mean, we have to see the way this plays out, and he may display characteristics worthy of us rooting for it or earning it. And that's why we're going in with a trailer and one film of knowing him. So, I mean, I would have never conceived of thinking that, A, Darth Vader would be a character who would become redeemed. He's the greatest villain of all time. I didn't think they were going to go there, nor did I think they could top him with a villain even scarier in the form of of the Emperor. So I always find, you know, I've said this before, Return of the Jedi is one of the boldest films ever. I mean, he didn't have, those choices are not, he pulled them off. Those aren't easy choices and on an independent film of that scale, they're risky. I don't know where they're going to go with with Kylo Ren. I feel like a lot of The Force Awakens, what I like, the jury's still out based on, how they handle it and what kind of consistency we have very we don't have george kind of pulling this all together we have a story group and we have a very intelligent woman in kathleen kennedy but it's a bunch of disparate entities creating this and george had a vision and he you know steered kirshner that way and he steered all these people in a very singular way and yeah he'd made different choices along the line for personal reasons but ultimately it was focused 
I hope it has that build and focus. You know, with JJ coming in, I think we're getting a very different film than what Colin Trevorrow would have would have given us after this. That's important because we know that Return of the Jedi was going to be the way, in a sense, the way George wanted to be, regardless of who was directing it, because he's there, the Godfather, shaping mm. it that way. And so, who Ray is, how things play out, who's getting redeemed. I feel like it's there's still something malleable about. All of this, maybe not at this juncture anymore, where they're at in their pre-production and script writing and way this being done, but there was something after The Force Awakens where these next two films could go a lot of different directions. I do want to uh, point out that we are talking quite a bit about both George Lucas uh, and J.J. Abrams and, to a lesser extent, uh, Lawrence Kasdan, but uh, this trailer, does it make any of you feel more confident less confident or as confident as you were in the talents and the skill set of uh of Ryan Johnson. When you look at this trailer, was there something specifically Ryan Johnson-y that jumped out at you or were you just sort of like, wow, there are things that I haven't seen in a Star Wars movie before that I'm seeing in this trailer. I know that happened with The Force Awakens when JJ definitely added his touch uh to yeah. the saga. Um was there anything about Ryan Johnson's direction that you could see from this commercial that that jumped out at you? Uh Chris consistent quality every shot was so beautiful and i followed it my eyes followed it in a way that i don't think that i did when i first saw the force awakens trailer there were a lot of interesting color choices in each frame there was you know uh, and we saw this in the the first the teaser trailer that the blocking of every scene the the structure of every frame is very interesting uh very unusual choices in every case and i think you you kind of saw that continued here i think uh, a lot of the a lot of the freshness that this trailer resonates is is the visual impact of it and the fact that they're taking the familiar visuals of Star Wars and just cranking it up a notch in a in a Ryan Johnsony direction. Uh, Steel, I I videotaped uh, us watching it. Me and Ash Crozen watched it, and we we did a a live call in podcast, which is just way too much media for the one thing just to watch a trailer. <laughs> but when we watched it back. I, I was fascinated with my I didn't I don't think I blinked for the entire time, but just my eyes were just darting all around the screen. And yeah, mm. as Chris pointed out, like it was so like visually stunning, like just the space wolf, like seeing that and you know, you've got Phasma fighting Finn, but then the background's fascinating with all the, mm-hmm. the fireworks and all that sort of stuff. It was uh it visually like very amazing. I'm, I don't have like that in-depth like director knowledge like some of the other people on the panel have, but visually like intense to watch. Uh, actually, I, I probably should have opened with this now that I'm thinking about it, uh, simply because the trailer was still so fresh in your minds. But I kind of want to see if there's a, a a single image that sort of sticks out in your brain when you think of this trailer. That's the image that jumps to your head. And I want to kind of get a, a sampling of the panel to see what it was about this trailer that really just struck you right between the eyes. Holly. Oh, see, I'm going to do that lame thing that I almost always do where I reveal that like, I'm just kind of an eye candy fiend mm-hmm. because it's the crystal foxes. <laughs> yeah. Shayna. The, the thing where the ground cracked um, and then just going back to the, the comment you made about things that were particularly Ryan Johnson, the thing that's popped out at me is the shot of Poe kind of leaning in that window and the way that's composed. And I'm like, I don't recall seeing anything like that in a Star Wars movie. You know, that's like a totally different 
mm-hmm. sort of angle to come at things from. So I think that there's a lot of moments in this trailer, like to where you just kind of look at it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, whoa. Uh, Amanda? For me, it's absolutely Leia standing on crate uh, right inside that giant door. You can't look away from her. Anthony? Uh, I like seeing Finn reflected in Phasma's uh, helmet as he was battling her. I thought that was a pretty cool shot. Very Ryan Johnson-y. Uh, Kyle? I didn't sense the Ryan Johnson-y in it. I, just, I sensed like uh, you know commitment to kind of objective mythic storytelling. I didn't really feel it was... You know, put through the grinder of a, a director trying to put too much of their personal stamp on it, but like more like a commitment to the way George would have told stories or asked his directors to tell stories. It just felt like, you know, just simple and mythic. So I like that that type of storytelling. I do feel like the thing that probably stuck with me the most was that outstretched hand of, of Kylo at the end, just because it asks the most mm-hmm. questions and it's so charged narratively. But there was something of just, you talked about the, the Phasma Finn fight and that was just it just quickly harkened back to two moments that harkened back to revenge of the sith like with obi-wan and anakin coming at them in a fiery environment and also that overhead shot sticks with me of anakin when he's marching into the temple and then you see uh, kylo marching with the first order behind him just very reminiscent so it's those things that triggered old visual memories yeah uh chris I'm just watching it again now to <laughs> to answer this very question i i'll give you a couple of observations of things that resonate throughout the trailer there's a lot of people looking afraid Mm -hmm. including luke luke looks very afraid i think that sticks with you Uh, ray does not and i think that the the quintessential ray moment in the trailer is where she brings the lightsaber just short of the uh, the stone on octo it was a beautiful beautiful moment uh but yeah the fear on luke's face it's you're not going to forget that quickly uh and steel I'm a Luke Skywalker guy. When he sees the crack in the ground and he looks down shocked, it just, but it just, seeing Luke Skywalker's face, it's like we get to see Star Wars films with Luke Skywalker in it. It just makes me so happy. It just reminds me that I get to see Luke Skywalker in a film again. And so much, so much of his robot hand. I mean, that was throughout this whole thing. (laughs) They're clearly going to be using that CGI a lot. Uh, And for me, for my part, uh, I'm a mark. I'm a sucker and always have been uh, in Star Wars movies for actual wars uh, in the stars. And so the shot of the Millennium... If you put a really nicely well-framed shot of the Millennium Falcon in your trailer, I'm going to go all mushy inside. And the way that the Falcon bursts into frame uh, and then it just keeps going. Like they hold on that shot. And it's sort of reminiscent of uh, the Falcon uh, escaping the asteroid field, the way that Kirshner would hold on the Falcon and then let other ships chasing it come into frame. And then you just sort of watch as this ugly yet beautiful ballet of death is happening before we cut back inside and get thrown back into the action uh, full blast. Like that happens in this trailer to some extent, except when we cut back inside, uh, we're seeing the giant talking dog and the pug bird yelling at the top of their lungs, which is like, which is the only moment of levity in the entire trailer. And it's very, it's very appreciated as well. So that, that was my standout moment is seeing the Falcon, seeing Chewie still in it, seeing the, the porg uh, up front like it's a bobblehead that you stick to the dashboard that that's what jumped out at me that when i close my eyes and i think of the trailer i think of that uh, specific shot so we're about to wrap up here and i just basically want to get uh, your guys' final thoughts on not only the trailer but uh, how you're feeling with just a little over two months to go 
before this movie drops in our laps. And I'm going to start with uh, Amanda on that one. Oh, I'm I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm really excited, but this trailer has me very confused about where Luke Skywalker's head is. I'm really excited for Ray's journey. I'm scared for her, and I'm scared for Finn. Um, and I just want it to be December. <laughs> All right, uh, Holly? I'm really, really glad that I have an insanely busy next two months so that I can kind of whip through it. Um, I mean, I'm so excited one, as everybody already said, like visually, mwah, magnifique. Like this, he has, <laughs> Ryan Johnson has an eye for composition that reminds me a lot of Brad Bird. Like in terms of just, you could freeze any frame in what we've seen so far and frame it. And it looks phenomenal. And I love visuals. And two, like, I like this idea that what we expect is not what we're going to get. To me, that's like the most exciting part of any film is, is I can still look at everything that comes out and I still feel like I'm going to, my brain is still going to get scrambled a little bit on the ride, which is great. Okay. Uh, Shana. I'm more excited than I was. And I, and I think a lot of it is that I think it's going to be the best acted star Wars movie we've had to date. I think that the acting mm. is going to be just, you know, just, just next level considering the cast, considering where we're pushing forward. And because there's more, I think there's more availability now than ever. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to, to like getting in there and having my emotions played with, like, it's okay. I think that this is going to be, this is the film that's supposed to unsettle us and it's supposed to have high stakes. And so I'm really looking forward to that. So th I don't have fear because I don't think we're, I think that all of the like, the, the stuff's going to be broken by the end, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I don't think we're going to get like, you know, major, major events in certain places here. I just, I don't think that's coming, but I'm genuinely excited. I've been genuinely excited. And ever since I heard Ryan was doing it, I feel like he's very cognizant of the fact of what he's been handed and that everything he's doing is in service of Star Wars, not in service of himself. Uh, Anthony. Uh, not much talk about this, which I find really curious, but the thing I'm really looking forward to is getting to that casino at Canto Bite. Yes. And I think that is, I think that is just the kind of place where Lando Calrissian would be hanging out. Don't, don't <laughs> do that to me. Retirement. <laughs> now I'm not basing that. That's not based on any inside information. I swear to God. <laughs> I'll play with our emotions. If you're Lando, you're still looking good and feeling fine. You break out, you know, your nice <laughs> Anthony. Case that could be headcanon, even if it isn't in the movie. Oh, yeah, it is. Well, it and, is. and to tangent uh -huh. real quick, um, especially regarding Canto Bite, um, we know that Ryan Johnson is a smart storyteller, and we know that even if it's not entirely overt, uh, Star Wars does manage to reflect uh, both the times that it was made in uh, and the general political leaning of the people who were making the films. Um, Anthony, do you think that there's going to be, if there's going to be any chance of a, uh, a political-ish commentary, that it's going to happen on Canto Bite with regards to uh, possibly the people who might be supporting Snoke and, and what kind of uh, leader Snoke might be and what parallels that might have with uh you know a, a current uh american government <clears throat> well i like to stay out of politics oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah who are you and what have you done with anthony uh, so i would say yes i think i think look we've got a you know the first order you look at that speech that uh that hux gave in the force awakens and you've got a fascist dictatorship there that thinks forcing their will on 
the galaxy is the better way to go, suppressing and controlling people. And now we see, now that he's not a hologram anymore, we see Snoke's fondness for kind of chintzy gold. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What is up with the bathrobe? Very (laughs) revealed. I don't know what to make of that. At some point, Hux says, turns to Kylo Ren and says, what a fucking moron. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll really have to. That might be a little too on the nose. Okay, um, uh, Steel, the, the, thing, the thing that you're like most looking forward to with uh, The Last Jedi and, and the, the feelings of this trailer uh, have, have evoked in you. Feelings of just pure excitement and the thrill of unexpectedness. Like, no one expected the last 10 seconds of that trailer, I don't think. And I know we're talking about flashbacks and stuff. I just watched it again, and Kylo is scarred up when he puts his hand out, so mm-hmm. it's not... It's a post-Force Awakens scene. It's dies straight towards the end of the film, and Jedi Master Luke Skywalker comes back to ignite the green lightsaber that's hidden in R2-D2's dome, uh, and it is the best time ever. But I, like everyone else that's like, let's hurry up, I, I love these two months. Slow it down. Mm-hmm. Cherish yeah. e- every little season. thing. Cherish every Bresnikan tweet that's not about Star Wars and we can reply to him. Talk about Star Wars more, buddy. It's it, it, like these are the like the salad days. So I, I know everyone's like desperate to get to the film, but just enjoy it all. It's thrilling that we get to do this. Uh, Kyle, you're in agreement. Yeah, I'm exhilarated. I thought this was wonderful. The things I'm excited about is the big ideas. I hope there's force ghosts. I hope there's not a fear of tying these movies together with the prequels. I'd love it. It's just to, it's just someone to step up and unify it all and not put too much of themselves or their misconceptions about stuff in it. And it seems like Ryan's the guy to do it. It seems like he's doing that. You know, It seems like he's approached this in an unfearful way. He's like, I'm going to go make the movie I want to see as a fan. Uh, not what I'm going to be judged about by critics and peers, you know, which is refreshing. I The big thing for this movie, and I love all Star Wars movies, um, so you don't have to worry about me. But Star Wars, if you go down like, a, you know, a checklist, there's a lot of people that don't like them. Um, people didn't like the prequels. People didn't like Return of the Jedi. There's, you know, three quarters of the people like Force Awakens. This movie has to deliver on the mass level, it has to check that box of victory across the board, I think, for the whole franchise. Uh, so by the time you get to nine, it doesn't feel like, well, nine was great, but there were so many missteps before. They need eight and nine to be like, to really clinch it. Kind of the legacy of the franchise, I think, with the average person is, is on the line. This movie does have to be a resounding popular success. So I, I want to see it succeed in that level for the legacy of, of these movies. Chris? Looking forward to in the next two months, uh, piecing the jigsaw of the plot together. I think we've got a, a big chunk of the jigsaw tonight and very excited to start putting those pieces in where they seem to slot in. Uh, I'm definitely not a spoiler phobe and I, I love, you know, I feel like the more that I can get a sense of the story going in, the more bandwidth I will have to look at all the beautiful things and to really focus on the inevitable twists that I will be surprised by. 
they seem to have it well in hand. I'm excited. I also, I mean, we should give a shout out to Ryan Johnson's advice to, you know, he was sort of misquoted today saying that he was telling people to not watch the trailer. But there is a value, I think, to kind of keeping the expectations low. You know, not not marinating it too much because there is a point beyond which no actual real life movie can live up to the movie in your head. Yeah, a little bit of Lloyd Dobler goes a long way. Um, I think I think that's sort of where you're going for there. Uh, for for me, um, I'm going to be spending the next two months doing what I typically do uh, when it comes to uh, a new Star Wars film, uh, which is listening to old Star Wars soundtracks, um, listening to trailer music from new Star Wars trailers, uh, and fiendishly refreshing uh, any news source I can to find out when that John Williams goodness is going to be hitting my ears as soon as possible. Um, I, the music from this trailer was amazing. Um, I know it wasn't John Williams. It didn't sound like John Williams, but it sounded like the same people who worked their trailer music magic on John Williams' score for The Force Awakens. It sounds like they brought those guys back. Maybe it's not the exact same guys, but whoever it was did a job just as good, if not better, than they did on that The Force Awakens trailer. And uh, I am definitely going to be scouring the internet for high-quality rips so I can loop that music in my head because the way they sort of blended Ray and Kylo's themes together, which is a thing that John Williams obviously engineered when he was composing the score, but the way those themes blended together was heaven and I can't wait to hear what he's got on deck for this next movie because Star Wars was an amazing score but Empire Strikes Back is one of the three best things John Williams has ever done seeing and hearing him get a chance to expand on what he came up with for The Force Awakens with The Last Jedi is maybe the most tantalizing thing about this movie which is saying something considering Ryan Johnson looks to have knocked it out of the park and might be getting some of the best performances in the careers of Mark Hamill, Adam Driver, and, and possibly even Carrie Fisher. Who knows? So uh, I'm highly excited. I cannot wait for December to get here. Um, I want to thank everyone on the panel for joining us, uh, contributing their thoughts. Um, thank you guys once again for, for coming out. Thank you, dear listeners, for listening. And uh, we will see you in two months at the premiere of The Last Jedi. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.